Acts chapter 26, starting with the first verse. Agrippa said to Paul, It is permitted for you to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that today I'm going to make a defense before you about everything I'm accused of by the Jews, especially since you are an expert in all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem. They had previously known me for quite some time, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And I now stand on trial for the hope that they, that for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve him night and day. Because of this hope, I am being accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it considered incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself supposed it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus the Nazarene. This I actually did in Jerusalem and locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In all the synagogues, I often tried to make them blaspheme by punishing them. Being greatly enraged at them, I even pursued them to foreign cities. Under these circumstances, I was traveling to Damascus with authority and a commission from the chief priests. At midday, while on the road, O king, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. When we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew language. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. But I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of the things you have seen and of the things of which I will appear to you. I will rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes, that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by me in faith. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and in all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple complex and were trying to kill me. Since I have obtained help that comes from God, to this day I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing else than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. Father, we love you and thank you for the day. We thank you for this time. God, we pray that... You would meet with us today, and we certainly trust that you will. God, I pray for open hearts, open minds. I pray for clarity of speech, and that you would put your words into my mouth. God, we're looking to you to do great things and trusting that you will. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
this particular passage is kind of a repeat in the book of Acts. It's the third time that we have the Apostle Paul giving his testimony, right? He's standing before great and small, but he's sharing his testimony about the day, right, that he came to faith in Jesus Christ, about the day that God redirected him and turned his life around. Now, I've already told you that my plans this morning is to share my testimony with you, right? I would start out by saying that I was not raised in church. The Apostle Paul was. He was pretty much born in church, right? Spent most of his life in the church and most of his life serving God, or so he thought, until he met God, right? I was not born in church. I was not raised in church. Um, quite, quite far from it, just to be totally honest with you. My story starts, if you will, um, the day that my mother left my father. She was pregnant with me. She dropped him off at work, drove the car to the airport, got a plane ticket, flew to California. That was how they ended it. I was born in California, and uh, the first six weeks of my life, nobody's ever been able to tell me anything about. Uh, all I know is it wasn't a great deal. My mother lost me. I ended up being placed in foster care. My dad found out, went to court, got custody of me, and I spent the, the rest of uh, my time with my dad. I never seen my mother, never laid eyes on her, right? She, uh, she passed away a few years ago, and uh, the things that I do know about my mother, just very small and uh, not that great, just to tell you the truth. Uh, my dad would remarry again a, a year or two later, to the lady that I call my mom, she lives in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, which is where I live. We, too, have just moved just a few months ago. We moved from the country to the city, right? Uh, Norman's not technically a city, I, I would say, but um, I have neighbors about this far away from me now, right? So either way, uh, my dad later remarried where... Um, my mom already had a, uh, a couple of kids, so um, I had a brother and a sister, and uh, we lived out in the country next to a lot of my family, and uh, by the time second grade rolled around, my parents divorced. My mom and my brother and sister went this way, and I stayed with my dad, right? Kind of a, a hard thing to uh, take as a kid and a hard thing to understand. By the way, if you didn't catch that, I came from a broken home. And just to be 100% honest with you, I didn't realize I came from a broken home until I was in my mid-20s. Literally. It dawned on me one day. <laughs> broken home? What's that? Oh, that's what I had, right? That's what I had. So I spent the majority uh, of my life with just my dad, if that makes sense, right? And my dad would, uh, he worked at Tinker, and he worked a lot, usually 60 to 80 hours a week, so I didn't see much of him. Um, lived next to several family members, and uh, I ended up spending a lot of time with my grandfather. Now, my grandfather uh, was the only Christian in my family, the only one, the only one that I knew, the only one that I ever had anything to do with. Um, I loved my grandfather dearly. Was very close to him. Spent a, a great deal of time with him. And um, I knew he was different, but I didn't know why he was different. 
I thought he was the way that he was because he was old, right? I, I know differently now. He's the way that he was because of Jesus. Jesus had changed his life as well, right? And uh, either way, spent a lot of time in the fields building fence, disking, brush hogging, plowing, you name it. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. Loved him more than anybody else. And he loved me more than anybody else. And unfortunately, everybody else knew that, right? I was his favorite, and everybody knew it, and he didn't mind telling them. It didn't work out well for me sometimes that way, right? So don't let them know when they're your favorite, okay? Because it, it, everybody picks on them, all right? Everybody picks on them. Either way, uh, my grandfather used to take me to church when I was a little kid. I don't remember, right? I don't remember much about it. And uh, I, I do remember one particular Sunday, though. My dad and I were sitting at the, the kitchen table, and my grandfather used to make the rounds. He'd walk every morning. He'd go by everybody's house, knock, stop, come in, chat for just a little bit, and then go right on down the way and then turn around, hit the car, and head to church. Well, one Sunday morning he come in. He said, hey, go get your clothes on. Let's get ready and go to church. I said, okay, because that's what I did, right? And uh, he looked at my dad, and he said, hey, why don't you get ready and go to church? Now, remember, I'm a little guy, right? My dad's not a little guy. He's not young. He says, hey, won't you get ready and go to church? And he said, I don't have to go to church. I'll never forget that. That was the last time I ever remember going to church with my grandparents. My daddy didn't have to do it. I didn't have to do it either. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, that was about the end of, of my church experience, right, as a kid. Um, went, went a couple of times with some friends. Wasn't, never meant anything to me, literally. Never meant anything to me. And uh, I, would, I would fast forward to uh, junior high at this point and say that in the eighth grade is when me and this little lady right over here started talking on the telephone, right? Became a uh, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, and uh, we would get married right out of high school, right? Uh, dated her all through high school. She kept me out of loads of trouble loads of trouble. Don't know that I've ever said thank you, but thank you, right? Thank you. Either way, um, by this time, we get married, and uh, we are living about from here to that wall away from my grandfather. And my, uh, my wife says to me one Sunday morning, she says, hey, we're married now. You going to take me to church? Notice that little smirk right at the end, right? You're going to take me to church, right? thought, well, okay, yeah, let's go. Grandfather's been on me to go forever and ever. Let's just go, right? We started going to a little church in Dibble, Oklahoma, and uh, one particular Sunday, we were running late. This guy doesn't do late, okay? I hate to be late, literally. We stopped at a church halfway in between because I did not want to be late. That was Cole Baptist Church. We spent the next 20 years in that church. I stopped there because I didn't want to be late. Okay? God uses all things. Okay? He uses all things to speak to us, right? Thankfully, because we're hard of hearing. 
right? We're hard of hearing. So we start going to this little church, and uh, we're pretty faithful. We go every Sunday, right? I don't know that we made too many, uh, too many Sunday nights. We made some. Um, Wednesday nights, yeah, I don't know. But once again, we're pretty faithful on Sundays, right? And um, we keep having this conversation, me and my wife, and a couple other people about me getting saved, right? And I remember... Um, I remember just going over and over one one particular Sunday, right? My wife asked me. She said, "Hey, uh, we're on our way to go fishing, and uh, as we're pulling through this gate, I get back in the truck." She says, "Hey, what'd you think about the sermon today?" I said, "Oh, I thought it was okay. It was fine." And she says, "Okay, what did you think about the part where he said you have to accept Jesus to get into heaven?" I said, yeah, I got a problem there. Got a problem with that. I said, I don't think that's what you have to do to get into heaven. Um, I'm a good person. God knows I'm good, right? My good by far outweighs my bad. And of course, everybody's going to say that about themselves, right? I said, he will let me in when the time comes. Probably in her boldest moment, she said, hey, Good old boys go to hell. I just want you to know that. Good old boys go to hell. The only way any of us make it into heaven is by accepting Jesus as your Savior, right? That's the only way. And uh, I thought, man, that's, that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. Well, we continued to talk about it. I continued to talk about it with with other folks as well. Just trying to chew on all this and make sense of it, right? I told you, I had zero background in Bible. Zero background in church, right? Zero. And of all the people that I knew that were Christians up to my point in that life, nobody had shared Jesus with me, right? Other than recently. And uh, either way, I told you, we lived next to my grandfather. He, uh, he had a, a moment where... Um, he had some sort of a growth on the inside of him. He had to go in the hospital. They were going to operate and then send him home. And uh, he ended up going in. They operated, and he, uh, he did not come home. He didn't make it out. He passed away, right, December 23rd, 1999, 1030. That rocked my world. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, the only solid individual I'd ever had in my life, gone. And I mean gone, that quick, right? That put a hole, a gaping hole in my heart that I did not know what to do with. I began to uh, hurt bad. I began to seek, right? And to try to figure out how to fix this problem that I had. I knew where I was headed, or I knew where I wanted to be, because there was no doubt where my grandfather was, right? He was in heaven. He knew Jesus, without a doubt. He knew Jesus. So, the more I began to talk with my wife, pastor, those around me, 
I came to the realization that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And that three days later, God raised him from the dead. And that I needed to be saved. And that I wanted to be saved. And I came to my wife one day and I said, Hey, I believe and I'm going to get saved. She says, That's good. And I said, I'm going to do it on my grandfather's birthday. She said, It doesn't work that way. (laughs) And I'm like, Cut me some slack, right? Cut me some slack. I want to get saved on my grandfather's birthday to honor him, right? She said, that's good. That's good. But it just doesn't work that way. I'm like, okay. And then uh, I I found out we were having a special church service coming up. And uh, it was one of those uh, services that happens on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right? We call it a revival. Never heard of one before, right? We started a revival, First Baptist Cole. This guy came in. Still to this day, I don't know who it was. I don't have a clue who it was. He went through Sunday, went through Monday, and on Tuesday, we show up, and I'm sitting back over on this side, and he's preaching the Word of God, And uh, I begin to kind of fade in and out. My mind's kind of wandering in and out like yours may be doing right now. So pull it back in. Pull it back in. And uh, as I begin to think things, these were off-the-wall things, right? Like we're talking about hunting and fishing stuff. Stuff you shouldn't be thinking about while you're in church, okay? All right? And he begins to say the things out of his mouth as I think them, okay? And it kind of freaked me out. And I, I just... So I thought something else, right? And then he would start talking about it. And I, like, my heart started beating, right, like really fast. And I'm like, this is weird. This is strange. And so I finally just kind of figured God was talking to me, right? And I said, hey, God, if this is you, if this is really you and you're speaking to me, I want him to say golf. And about that time he had his back turned, he said, I'm talking about you golfers too. He points right at me, literally. He points right at me. Okay, so my eyes are about to pop out of my head at this point. My heart's about to jump out of my chest. God is speaking to me, and I don't know what to do about it, right? Either way, invitation time comes. The invitation time comes, and he invites folks to come forward. Well, I gave it the old white knuckles, right? I grabbed a hold of that pew, and I just held on waiting for somebody to say amen, right? Let's get out of here. I've got to get out of here, right? And either way, the last amen came, and I hit the door, okay? By this time, we had moved, and we literally lived in the church parking lot. I kid you not. As close as Clay lives, we lived in the church parking lot, okay? So I hit the, hit the doors, and I got out of there, right? Just freaked out. But I knew that God spoke to me. There's no two ways about it. So I go home. I'm just kind of sitting in the living room. My lovely wife comes in. She's like, what happened to you? Where'd you go? And I'm like, yeah, something happened. Something happened. I don't, uh, I'm not sure what's going on here. So I shared with her what had happened. And she gets all excited, right? And she's like, oh, this is it. This is it. This is it. And I'm like, this is what? She said, 
you're about to get saved. This is your time. This is how it works. She said, you need to call the pastor. I said, for what? <laughs> she said, just call him. So I called him, and uh, he, was, he was at the door about the time I hung up, right? I'll never forget what he said. He's walking across my yard, and he's just grinning from ear to ear. He said, these are the late-night phone calls that I live for. Because usually when you get a late-night phone call, it's not good. It's not good, right? So he says, tell me what's going on. I let him know I just dropped it all, right? Let him know. And uh, he said, okay, well, are you ready to do this? I said, yes, sir, I am. So we got down on our knees in my living room, and I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. I don't remember really much of anything that was said except for the last thing that I said. I will live for you the rest of my life, Jesus. I will. This is what I told him, right? So, you notice the Apostle Paul met Jesus on the road, on the highway, right? He met Christ, named him as Lord and Savior. That was his first call to the kingdom. But if you notice, as Jesus is speaking to Paul, he gets a second call, right? Everybody gets two calls. You get a call to the kingdom, and then you get a call to service. Paul was told, you're going to preach. I'm going to send you to your own. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. You're going to be my witness to the things that you have seen and heard and the things that I will appear to you. He calls the apostle Paul into his service. So I told Jesus that I would live for him for the rest of my life. And I chewed on that for a little bit because I honestly didn't know that was part of the deal, right? I thought, all right, I've got my get out of heaven card, right, or get, get into heaven free card. I've got my insurance, right? I'm ready to roll. I'm just waiting to die at this point. I get to go do whatever I want, right? And I'll end up in heaven when it's all said and done. going to be sitting by my grandfather, right? I used to long to see him so bad. I have come to the point. I just want to sit at the master's feet. That's where I want to be. So if you look for me in heaven, we'll be in the same spot, right? We're going we're gonna to be in the same place. So I carried on living my life the same as I did before, right? We were at church every Sunday during the week. Cuss like a sailor drink like a fish, right? All the nonsense. Rude, mean, hateful. I thought I was invincible. There wasn't anybody. Bow up to me. We're going to have a problem, right? That's just how I was. That's how I was raised to be. My dad was a Marine, by the way. Yeah. So, I'm carrying on in life 
just like I'd done before, but I'll, I'll tell you that I had another witness that God placed in my life, and that was my brother-in-law. We went to church together, right? Sunday after Sunday, I watched that man come down to the altar. And he would say, God is speaking to me. I'm not quite sure what he's saying to me just yet, but God is speaking to me. Like, this happened over and over and over. Enough that I kind of started thinking, well, God, you, you speak to him. Why don't you ever speak to me? Why don't you ever speak to me? One day, I was at work. Most of you may remember that I'm an electrician. And uh, I was wiring a house out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere. It was the only thing around. There was four of us in the house, and uh, we're getting close to the end. Two of us are electricians and two of us are insulators, right? That's how close to being done we were. And um, as, as I'm working, carrying on this storm, rolls in, you know, the kind that Oklahoma's famous for. A lot of thunder, a lot of lightning, right? And uh, it gets real dark outside, and uh, I'm just working along, not thinking another thing about it. Um, the guys around me are kind of starting to get a little antsy, right? They are not comfortable at all. They are not cool with this situation. I'm just carrying on, whatever. It's life, right? Ain't nothing going to hurt me. Ain't nothing going to get me. Lightning is hitting so close to the house, there are sparks flying out of the light fixtures. Okay? There's not even fixtures in them yet. It's just wires, right? Can lights in the ceiling. Sparks are blowing out of these things. These boys are skittish. I'm just carrying on. I'm just carrying on. I'm making up this box, right? And uh, lightning hits right outside the house. And this blue ball orb thing comes out of these wires that I have a hold of and hits me and knocks me to the ground, right? Now, there was a guy literally a foot away from me. Did not touch him. Didn't touch him. Hit me. Knocked me to the ground, right? I will lie, it hurt. It hurt, right? I just kind of sat there for a minute and everybody just kind of looked around and uh, I can hear this voice in my head, and it's a whisper. And it's saying the same thing over and over and over. Preach. 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 Like I can't get it out of my head. Over and over and over, right? Preach. We got in the car, and we left... Did I mention it was the middle of January? We left. And God didn't, he didn't say this to me in a voice. It was something that he put in my mind and in my heart that was so for certain, I knew it was going to happen. He told me that my wife's grandfather was going to die that day. Like, I don't even know where that comes from, okay? But I knew in that moment that man was going to die that day, okay? And I'm starting to think, I'm lucky I'm not dead, right? I had one kid at the time, and all I could think of was, 
might not have ever been able to hold her again, right? I might not have ever been able to see her. I might not have ever seen my wife again. We drove into town. This was in Blanchard. And the storm goes away. We're almost done with the house. You've got to know how my mind works. When I start something, I finish it, right? Well, I'm like knowing I need to go home and go talk to this man. But I wanted to go finish the job first and then go home, okay? So we drive back to the job. The storm comes right back. Yeah. Lightning comes right back. By this time, I figured it out. Okay, I need to go, and I need to go now. So I'm grabbing stuff, trying to run to the truck. Lightning hits again. I don't know where it hit. I know I'm no longer holding boxes in my hands, and I'm hanging on the side of the truck. And there's three dudes in the house that said, Hey, are you okay? Hey, they're not coming out. They're not getting near me at this point, okay? <laughs> Whatever. So I left. I went and picked my daughter up from daycare. And we lived on this side of the church parking lot, and Grandpa lived on this side of the church parking lot. I could see his house from my front living room window, okay? I go home, grab my little girl. I just sit on the couch, and I just stare at that house all day, knowing that I'm supposed to go up there. Probably didn't have anything to do with me. Maybe it had something more to do with my daughter. I don't know, right? I don't know. Either way, my wife comes home. She's like, what are you doing home? Why is the kiddo here? What's going on? I said, I've had a bad day. And I started telling her about my day. And uh, about that time, the phone rings. It's Granny. They're taking Grandpa to the hospital. Right? She says, hey, will you, uh, will you take me to the hospital? I said, absolutely not. No. So we got in the car started to the hospital, right? We dropped my little girl off, and uh, we continue on up to the hospital. We get up there. Um, family and friends are up there, right? It's a bad deal. My pastor's there. Wasn't Grandpa's pastor, right? One of our deacons was there. Um, either way, we're sitting, and we're all just kind of talking like you do, right? And my wife says, hey, won't you share with them what happened to you today? Okay, here goes, right? So I start telling them about my day and uh, tell them about the lightning coming and striking and hitting me. And uh, our, our brother Deacon says, man, that happened to me one time. He said, we were working out on the railroad and I was driving stakes and I was standing on the, on the tracks and lightning hit down the way, came, blew me completely off the railroad tracks. That's the day God called me to preach. I was ready to crawl under something at that point. How much confirmation do you need to get, right? A few minutes later, doctors come out. Grandpa passed away, right? Like I kid you not. So now I've got all this inside of me and nobody knows but me. What am I going to do with it, right? What am I going to do with it? Well, if you haven't noticed yet, it kind of takes big things 
to move me and to get me to do what I ought to do. We'd been at our church for several years and our pastor leaves. He had what's called a moral failure. We were sheep without a shepherd. Here I know God's called me to preach and I've been sitting on it for years. For the first time in my life, I realized he didn't save me so I could go to heaven when I die. That's part of the deal, right? But he saved me because he had a plan and a purpose for my life. My church needed me. There wasn't anything I could do. Nothing. So on a lawnmower, in my yard, I came to grips with, I really have no choice. I've got to do what God has told me to do. I don't want any more bad things to happen, right? By the way, if he whispers to me, I hear him now. I don't like tragedies, especially when that's what it takes to get my attention, right? I was driving on the lawnmower one day, and I told God, you know, um, I've messed this up pretty bad. <laughs> I can just see God just kind of nodding his head, right? Just waiting. What are you going to do now, boy? I said, uh, there's not much here to work with. But what's left is yours. And we'll tell you that here and now. I know you've called me to preach. But God, I don't even read the Bible. And he said, we'll start today. I said, Lord, my mouth is terrible. My language is terrible. He said, not anymore. I said, Lord, I like drinking beer. He said, not anymore. I said, God, I'm addicted to porn. He said, I'll fix that. I said, okay. If that's what you want, I'm in. You can do whatever you want with me. Whatever you tell me to say will come out of my mouth. I'll go anywhere you tell me to go, and I'll do anything you tell me to do. I'm yours. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what God has said to you recently or what he said to you 16 years ago. I know today you have a chance to change your eternity, to come to Christ, pray to receive Jesus as your Savior. The gospel's been shared multiple times today. If you need to do that, here in a moment, when we have the invitation time, I want you to come forward, and let's take care of that. Let's nail it down, okay? Now, I shared with you 
the day I got saved. I shared with you the day I committed my life to Jesus. Have you ever done that? Have you ever committed yourself to Him? Because He's already committed to you. During the invitation time, you have a chance to do that. Right here, today. Maybe you've committed your life to Jesus and your life has been wrecked. Things happen that we can't see coming, right? Things happen that we can't help, that we don't ask for, and they kind of derail us, and they get us off track. You have a chance today to recommit your life to Jesus and to start over today. We call it recommitting, right? So I've asked three things. Salvation. Commit your life to Christ. Or to recommit your life. There's one other thing I want to pitch out here. I believe God is still calling people into service. I believe he's been working on some of your hearts to lead a Bible study. Teach Sunday school be a missionary I hope God's calling somebody in this room to preach he's laid that on my heart I'm going to ask you every single service is God calling you to preach is he calling you to serve right here or way over there these are questions we all have to deal with and I believe since he's laid it on my heart, he's already told you. He's just reaffirming here and now, okay? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask you the question. Are you saved? Has God spoken to you today and let you know that you're not and that it's your time. If you need to pray to receive Jesus today as your Savior, I just want you to look me in the eye and put your head back down. If you need to pray to receive Jesus today, look me in the eye and then put your head back down. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer and I want you to know the words are not near as important as the state of your heart. If you ask Jesus to just simply save you, he will do it. I just want you to pray something like this. Lord, I heard you speak to my heart today. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that you died for my sins, and that you were raised to life on the third day. I want you to save me from my past, my present, my future sins. And I want you to guide and direct me for the rest of my life. And I thank you in Jesus' name.
Lord, for the rest of us, we open ourselves up to you right here today and just ask you to say whatever you want to say to us. And by way of your spirit, would you give us the power and the boldness to do what you've told us to do and to share it with somebody so that someone else knows and can be praying for us and can help us walk with you. Do your work here and now, and we'll thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.